Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on December 13th, 2015, on the basis of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 24. Are you sick yet of all the lists? I think it's safe to say that Christmas is a season of, among many other things, of lists. In addition to the normal lists that you have, you have the wish list that the, the kids filled out. You have the extra shopping list to get all the presents, the extra grocery lists for all the meals, the address list for the cards that you're going to send out, and of course, even the jolly old big guy has his lists. Who's been naughty? Who's been nice? But you know, here's the thing that I've noticed about lists. You see, we like to tell ourselves that as long as we write down everything that we need to do on some sort of list, we'll feel better about it. We'll be more efficient, we'll be more productive, and at some point, everything on that list is going to get done. But maybe you've had it happen to you, and maybe even around Christmas time, that all of a sudden you realize that as organized as you might be, as many lists as you might keep, you're just not keeping up. All of a sudden, instead of making you feel better about what you have to do, those lists actually start to make you feel worse. Each and every item on each and every list is sort of like a little dagger that's being twisted into your side, a little nagging voice that is saying to you over and over and over again, you're in over your head. You're not keeping up. The work isn't getting done. So let me ask you, when you set out for church today, was it because you were just dying to get another list? Believe me when I tell you that in the minds of some people, that's exactly what going to church and that's exactly what being a Christian is all about. You get God's list. And you work and work and try your best to keep it and hopefully at the end of the day, hopefully your best will be good enough. In fact, a very superficial reading of the verses that are in front of us today sort of give us that impression that as Paul wraps up this letter to a group of Christians in a Greek city called Thessalonica, he wraps up by saying, here's what God wants you to do, Christians. This and this and this and this. So long, we'll talk to you soon. Exactly the kind of thing that I'm guessing you're just dying to hear, right? Well, here's the good news. As we look at these verses that are in front of us today, I want you to remember one important thing about them. It's not a list. Again, at first glance, that might sound a little bit like crazy talk. Even when I read through those verses in English, the short, repetitive, quick-fire sentences probably gave the impression that this is, in fact, a list. And actually, I wanted to show you what it looks like in the original Greek this morning. This is chapter 5 of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And the verses that are in front of us today are right there. Now, you might not know a lick of Greek. You might only know the three letters of the college sorority house that you were a member of. Or that in math class, 3.14 stands for pi, right? That's actually a Greek letter. 
That might be all the Greek that you know, but you're smart enough to look at this and figure it out. The verses that are in front of us today are not a continuous paragraph of sentences that flow one into the next. It's a very rapid-fire list of commands. And you're maybe thinking to yourself, Pastor Bauer, if it looks like a list, walks like a list, talks like a list, smells like a list, I think, I think it might be a list. Let's imagine for a moment that it is a list. Did you notice the first couple of things that Paul mentions? He says, rejoice. He says, pray. He says, give thanks. Okay, sort of sounds like the things that we as Christians ought to be doing, right? But did you notice how often Paul expects us to do each and every one of those things? He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. So friends, here's what we're up against. If our relationship with God is nothing more than a list, if the verses that are in front of us today are nothing more than a list, then you and I are signing up for a life where we must always have a smile plastered on our faces no matter what's going on, where we must pray all the time, day and night, where we actually refuse to take part in certain activities simply because and simply so that we can have more time to pray, and that no matter what's going on, no matter how bad life gets, rather than shaking our fist at God or asking him to fix it, we simply look up to heaven and say, thank you, sir, may I have another? And then, and then when it's all said and done, because God's expectations are so impossibly high, Jesus looks at us and says, you know, nice try, not good enough. Always, continually, in all circumstances. Let me give you a little piece of what might sound like surprising advice. If our relationship with God is nothing more than a list, don't even bother trying. Instead, just do what you want. Just live life how you want. Just try to get the very most out of each and every moment of life. And I'm serious, because you will save yourself a lot of hard work, you will save yourself a lot of guilt and a lot of stress, and then at the end of the day, you will be no worse off than people who make themselves miserable trying to check off all of the items on some sort of list. You'll be in exactly the same spot, fallen short. If our relationship with God is nothing more than a list, that is honestly the best advice I can possibly give you. Thankfully, it's not a list. I keep saying that. How do we know for sure? It sure sounds like a list, right? Well, after those first several items, Paul makes a very important statement. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and then this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you. This isn't what God demands from you. This is what God desires for you. These are some of the blessings that he wants to give to you. Where can those blessings be found? Paul says that there's only one place. There's only one store that carries these blessings on its shelves, so to speak. Paul says that these blessings are only found in Christ Jesus. 
Speaking of stores, have you ever had it happen to you where, where you were working really, really hard to make a really expensive purchase? Let's say it's that giant flat screen TV for your house. And so you plan and plan and you save and save and you do all the research and compare all the products and finally, after all that work, you are ready, you know which one you want to buy and you have just enough money to get that giant flat screen TV. But no sooner do you go to the store and get that TV off of the shelf that you notice that right there on the box there is a list. All the other things you need to buy if you actually want that TV to work in your house. The HDMI cable, the speaker wires, the mounting bracket for the wall, the batteries for the remote. You just wanted a TV, but instead all you got was another list. Like I said, many people view their relationship with God that way. You want to follow Jesus? Great. All you have to do is this and this and this and this. Paul is telling us exactly the opposite. Far from giving us more things to do, Jesus came to get rid of our list. Jesus came and he took our list. The list of things that God demands that we do, the list of things that so often we fail to do, Jesus came and he did them for us. Jesus came and took our list, the list of things God forbids us to do, the things that so often we find so easily to do. And he wiped that list away using his own blood that he shed on the cross. And friends, if that's true, if our sins really are forgiven, and if a spot in heaven is absolutely guaranteed for us, do you think that no matter what might be going on in our lives, we might be able to find a little bit of joy? If that's really true, if our sins have been taken away, our sins that naturally serve almost like a sound barrier between us and God, a sound barrier that would prevent God from hearing even our loudest pleas and our most earnest cries, if that sound barrier has been shattered so that now we can talk to God as easily as children go and talk to dear dad, do you think that maybe we'll, we'll enjoy that activity and make use of that privilege called prayer? If God has really proven that he can take the very worst of things, turn them upside down into the very best of things, if he's proven that in the life of Jesus and he's promised to do that in your life, do you think that no matter what might be going on, you might still be able to say thanks you see, it's not even as if we have to buy the giant flat screen TV and then God just throws in the rest for free. No, it's far, far better than that. It's as if we're stuck outside of the store, out in the cold, and even if we could somehow get in, we wouldn't even have enough money for the batteries of the remote. And yet God graciously invites us in. And as soon as we step, set foot in that store, in Christ Jesus, he just gives us not only the batteries and the bracket and the wires, but, but the TV too. This isn't some list of things that we need to do for God. This is everything that God wants to give to those who are in Christ Jesus. 
So it's not a list. At least not yet. You notice that there are more verses, right? Paul goes on to say this. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Again, you would be forgiven if you would say, Pastor Bauer, that sounds an awful lot like a list. God says, treasure prophecy. Treasure this book, the Bible. Hear it and learn it and study it gladly. God says, test everything. He says, meticulously examine everything that you allow into your heart, into your home, onto your calendar, and into your budget. If it's good, keep it. If it's evil, chuck it. Again, it sounds an awful lot like a list. But again, Paul follows up these directives with a very important statement. He says, May may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So as Paul mentions these things, he doesn't refer to it as a list, first and foremost, of things we must do for God. No, he immediately connects it to what God is going to be doing for us. Why does God tell us to treasure this book, to hear it and learn it and read it? It's for no other reason than this is the Holy Spirit's tool for keeping you in faith, for keeping you in Christ Jesus. This is what he uses to keep you connected to Jesus. Just as we saw before that all of those blessings of joy and prayer and thanks, those blessings only come through Christ Jesus. So also we only stay connected to Christ Jesus through his word. This is what he uses to continually deliver to us the blessings that he promises. Let me ask you, how many of you are just absolutely thrilled when you are at home, sitting on the couch, feet up, watching that giant flat screen TV that you bought, when all of a sudden the doorbell rings? Probably not too many of us, right? But even if you absolutely hate that, I'm willing to guess that there are two important exceptions to that reaction. The first one would be, When the person at the door is a member of Good News delivering to you a little package of cookies with a Christmas invite, just like many of us were out yesterday doing. If you were a part of that, you know that people were thrilled to see us, especially when they saw those cookies, right? But the second important exception is when the person at the door, the person ringing the doorbell, is your friendly neighborhood UPS driver. And it is a gift. It is a package that is being delivered. What are we supposed to think when God tells us to treasure his word? What are you supposed to think when you hear me tell you that going to church is important for your faith? That going to church and going to Sunday school or Bible class is even better? That your Christmas celebration will be strangely and ironically incomplete if you don't go to church on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, what is our reaction supposed to be? 
Oh, man, it's that awful UPS driver beating down my door again. Not another present showing up. You mean I have to get up off the couch and walk all the way over there to the door and open it up just so I can receive this gift? That would be a foolish reaction to say the least, right? As God talks about treasuring his word, it's not part of some list of things that we need to do for him. No, just as we saw that what he said before is everything that he wants to give us in Christ Jesus, so also what he says here is everything that he uses to keep us in Christ Jesus. I wanted to show you 1 Thessalonians 5 one more time. And I wanted to let you know that what I said before is usually true. That if it looks like a list and talks like a list and walks like a list and smells like a list, it probably is a list. In fact, it takes a miracle for our relationship with God to be anything but a list that we are hopelessly trying to keep. It takes the miracle of God himself coming down to us, first of all, in human flesh, second of all, in his word, and in his meal. It takes the miracle of Jesus himself coming to us and doing our right and undoing our wrong. So if you're sick of all the lists, good news. As we talk about preparing to meet Jesus at Christmas and meet Jesus when he returns, we're not talking about checking off a bunch of items on some list. We're simply talking about getting ready to meet face-to-face none other than Jesus Christ, who is the anti-list. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.